find in the book of Samuel. The book of Samuel, chapter 15. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Samuel summoned the people and numbered them in Tulaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And I was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen, to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have destroyed to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. (coughs) And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you 
on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. (coughs) And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen in the fat of of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So far, the reading of God's holy word. We now join and sing together 
Psalm 40. Psalm 40. I waited and I waited for the Lord. Then from the pit he lifted me. From day, from clay and mire he set me free. The Lord bent down to me. My cry he heard. We sing the first three stanzas of Psalm 40. Our text for this morning you will find in the passage which was read from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15, the verses 22 and 23. These words. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Beloved congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sad story, the story we read from the book of Samuel this morning. Saul disobeyed the Lord. He failed to follow the Lord's specific instructions to the letter. And God, ah, the Lord God said, that's it. The kingdom of Israel has been torn away from you this day. It is given to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. That is shocking, is it not? Was Saul's action really so terrible that he deserved this punishment? Does God really look that close today? Or, or was that, that so only in the days of the Old Testament? Or perhaps only for Saul? Saul himself, you'll recall, thought that he had done pretty good. He greets Samuel openly, joyfully. The Lord bless you, he says to Samuel. And then, then like a child that has finished its homework, he adds, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I've done my assignment. Oh yes, then Samuel asks him about the bleating of the sheep and about the lowing of the oxen that he hears. But Saul has an answer for that also. The people, he says, oh yes, the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Now what? What could be so very wrong with that? Surely, Samuel, surely you, your God, will be pleased with all that I have done. 
Surely there can be no hard feelings about that. Surely I have not jeopardized my job, my crown, my salvation in any way, have I? How could this possibly be a salvation issue? Right? Isn't that how we think also? As long as we, more or less, do what is asked of us, isn't that enough? Couldn't that be called obedience? Why would the Lord God not be pleased with that? Or our parents? Or the teachers in school? Or the leaders of the government? But see, that's when Samuel, in the name of the Lord, you understand, that's when Samuel speaks that word about obedience. To obey is better or more than sacrifice. And you sense it right away. That is not simply a word for Saul. I invite you to listen with me to this word of the Lord, to Samuel and to all of us today. I'm going to speak on the Lord asks, he requires obedience. There are three thoughts as follows. The reason for God's anger, the foolishness of Saul's excuse, and the root of Saul's sin. Well, as I said, the sermon for this morning, it will be on, will focus on obedience. If it will focus on the obedience which the Lord asks of us, his people of the covenant. And as you know, we are called to be imitators of our God, also herein, as beloved children. Well, now, that means, among other things, that we, as parents, as fathers and mothers, we are to ask for, ah, yes, we are to demand the obedience of our children, who are, we confess, children of the covenant. They bear the sign and the seal of baptism. They are called to be the church of Jesus Christ. I have an idea, however, that that is not always understood. It certainly is not always practiced as it should be. You see, it is true. Children are not always obedient. Right, kids? As a matter of fact, they're often disobedient. And then our text minces no words. Disobedience, it says, is very serious. Saul's disobedience is called rebellion. But it's also true. We as parents, we have an obligation, namely, we must demand obedience from our children, the way the church must demand that from her members and a school of its students. Failure to demand obedience 
is to let our children, yes, it is to permit our children to walk in the way of disobedience. Failure to demand obedience is to fail to be an imitator of God as beloved children. Failure to demand obedience is therefore to become responsible for the disobedience of our children. That, you understand, that is tremendously serious. So the question must be asked and answered, why? Why is it that the Lord demands obedience? Samuel, remember, said to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You hear it. That is what is called a rhetorical question. That is, you can hear from the way the question is stated that obedience is indeed more important than burnt offerings. That is indeed more important than sacrifices. That point is clearly underscored in this story. You see... God had given a, spe- a specific command, a mandate, if you will, to Saul. Saul, he had said, Saul, I want you to go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. You can't miss it. That is clear language. The mandate is unmistakable. It allows for no exception. And God did more. God also gave Saul the reason for this command. Samuel is told to say to Saul, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Notice, the Lord now introduces himself to Saul in his sovereign majesty and in the greatness, the awesomeness of his divine power. He was almighty creator. He it is who accounts the nations as nothing. They are like a drop from a bucket, as dust from the scales, as Isaiah would say. Thus, says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. The graph commenting on that says, Amalek had to be wiped out because it was the first of the heathen nations, the first to oppose Israel in the wilderness. Thus, thus Amalek was a type, an example, if you will, of the hostile powers opposing the church. Amalek, he goes on to say, Amalek hated and rejected the grace which God showed his people. And Amalek hated and rejected the communion 
of the covenant. For that reason, Amalek had to be destroyed. That, you understand, is right on. So it is clear. The Lord had not given an arbitrary command to his servant, the king. God was saying to Saul and to all Israel, Look, this is how I, the Lord of hosts, vindicate you. This is how I care for you. Those who oppose you, despising my grace to you, those I, the Lord of hosts, will punish. Therein and thereby, the Lord revealed the justice of his grace, as he had already revealed it to Abraham long before. Ah, you see, God would let nothing stand in the way of, he would let not, nothing hinder the communication and the bestowal of his grace to his people. Not a king Saul either. Because don't forget, all along, God had his eye on the world. Also in this revelation of his justice and of his grace. God so loved the world also then that he would give his only son. To that end, remember, I yes, to that end, the Lord bestowed his grace to Israel. Therefore, to that end, he would safeguard his Old Testament church because he so loved the world. And see, King Saul had to be a servant of that grace and justice of the Lord unto the salvation of the world. You understand? Unto our salvation here and now. But Saul, our Saul was not prepared to dedicate himself to the righteousness of God's grace. And he had no eye for the mercy which the Lord wanted to show to and to bestow upon his covenant people. He thought, oh yes, he thought that he had done nothing wrong. Hear him boastfully say, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Then Samuel said, No, Saul. No, you did not. I can hear the bleating of the sheep and I can hear the lowing of the cat of the oxen. With that I come to the second point, the foolishness of Saul's excuse. It is not said in so many words, but it is very well possible that Saul was actually attempting to hide the booty from Samuel. After all, it does not say that Samuel actually saw the animals in question. 
It only says that Samuel heard them. But Samuel knew it right away. Those animals which he heard, they had belonged to the Amalekites. They were the booty, the spoil of war, taken by the king and his men. Saul and the people spared Agag, it says, and they spared also the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and of the lambs and of all that was good. And, and he would not utterly destroy them, but all that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. When you read that, you don't get the idea that Saul or that the people had in mind that they would sacrifice all of those animals to the Lord. Do you? You get the distinct impression, don't you, that they meant to keep them, to enrich themselves with them. This was money in the bank for them. It is only when they were confronted by Samuel that Saul comes up with his excuses, like the kid caught with his hand in the cookie jar. When mom confronts him, says, Oh, I was getting a cookie for dad. Saul's first excuse was, The people made me do it. It was not my idea. Samuel, but the people, I asked the people, said, let's spare the best. Saul's second excuse was, I agreed with the people because they wanted to sacrifice these choice animals to the Lord, your God. Then Samuel says to Saul, stop. Hold everything, Saul. What you are telling me is utter foolishness. Or oh, it is that every time, every time we come up with excuses, every time we rearrange the text of the mandate given because they claim to have higher ideals, such as liberation for the oppressed, what is idealistically called partnership, or being inclusive rather than exclusive, or being compassionate rather than condemnatory, or being tolerant rather than intolerant. Every time we appeal to such ideals and thereby and therefore bypass the clear testimony of Scripture, we do what Saul attempted to do. And it happens all the time. Listen for a moment to what the Reverend Joe Wright prayed when he was asked some years ago now to open up the Kansas Senate with prayer. Heavenly Father, he prayed, we come before you today to ask for your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know that your word says, 
Woe to those who call evil good. But that is exactly what we have done. We have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and have called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possession and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. You hear it. Every time an appeal is made to our higher ideals, but in so doing, the clear testimony of Scripture is bypassed exactly as Saul had done in his day. We, as Christian community, we must be well aware of that. And we must recognize that it all starts at home. We, the parents, called to be imitators of our God, you understand. We must not, we may not let the children pull the wool over our eyes with all manner of excuses. Oh yes, we've all been kids. We all know how to concoct excuses. We know how it works. We know how to make it work, right? But we may not let the kids pull the wool over our eyes. Do you know what is your children, sons and daughters of the covenant they are? Do you know what it is they text to each other? Do you know what very explicit sex talk passes between them? What action have you taken? What excuses are you hiding behind? Do you really think that when young people feel free to talk about sex, that they will not engage in it? Samuel said to Saul, Stop! Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? See, there the foolishness of Saul's sin exposed. Oh yes, the Lord did delight in sacrifice, you can be sure. 
and he surely was pleased with burnt offerings. The book of Leviticus makes that very clear. As a matter of fact, the fat of rams was an especially pleasing peace offering to the Lord. But, but when the Lord God has specifically said that all of the animals were to be devoted to destruction, when he has placed all of them under the ban, that is, that he, when he has excommunicated them from his holy presence, see, then no man can turn around and dedicate them to the Lord. Then no man can say, here, Lord, here is my sacrifice to you. Think of it. Could Achan, the man who had stolen of the silver and gold of Jericho, gold and silver that had also been devoted to destruction, remember, could Achan, when caught, have said to Joshua, Oh, I meant only to sacrifice these things as my thank offering to the Lord. Surely not. Surely that would have been utter foolishness. See, not even the Son of God, our Savior and Lord, could avoid or bypass the thrust of this word. To obey is better than sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews tells us, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and, and, and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. So Christ offered himself unto death, the death of the cross. Christ had to obey, you understand. Oh no, he could not say, Father, I will give you this or that substitute sacrifice. Rather, he had to offer himself. His obedience to the will of the Father. See, that was his, that was his sacrifice. It was the only acceptable sacrifice. And see, he who is the word of God made flesh who by his life and atoning death showed us the utter seriousness of obedience to the word of the Father. He now, by his Holy Spirit, addresses this word to us today. He says to each of us, old and young alike, don't you yield to the foolishness of sin, the sin of disobedience. And don't you listen to the voice of the tempter. For he, Satan, he puts a question mark. Yea, has God said, where I, the Lord, put an exclamation point. Do this and you shall live. And don't you listen 
to the flesh. For it seeks only to satisfy the flesh. That is, it seeks only to satisfy your sinful pride, your ego, your whim of the moment. Remember it well. Rebellion is as the sin of divination. That is, it is witchcraft. And presumption, that is, stubbornness, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. See, there the root of Saul's sin, which you'll recall is the third point. Or you can be very sure. Saul never thought that he would be charged with rebellion that day. Had he not more or less done what the Lord had told him to do? Saul never thought that the Lord would reject him as king. Surely this matter of punishing the Amalekites could not affect his standing with the Lord his salvation, could it? But the Lord said, My word. I want you to listen to my word. I want you to do my word. Remember it well. Not to do the word of the Lord is to set yourself in the place of God. Not to do the word of the Lord is to make yourself as God. It is idolatry, says the Lord. Ah yes, any time we as parents or as children, any time we as Church of Jesus Christ listen to a voice other than the voice of the Lord or walk in the way other than that the way revealed to us in the word, it is a sin of idolatry we are then guilty of. And that sin, says the text, uh, that sin is as the sin of divination. It is witchcraft. As you know, at the end of his life, King Saul visited the medium, the witch of Endor. He wanted to hear from that diviner just what his future held, remember? Well now, then Saul practiced in an open, flagrant way the sin that also lay at the root of his action on the day he failed to do what the Lord God had commanded him to do. You see, the sin of divination, the sin of witchcraft, it is a sin of pushing aside the word of God. It is to claim that you know better. It is to say that not what God has said, but, what, but that what you feel in your heart is to be your guide. It is rebellion against the Lord. Oh yes, people love to talk about what they feel in their heart. 
And it's so easy to confuse that with the word of the Spirit. People say it. You yourself may have said it. This. I feel in my heart that such and so is right. It must therefore be of the Holy Spirit. But remember it well. The Spirit of the Lord leads us by the Word of the Lord. After all, the Word is the sword of the Spirit. Anything else, no matter how sincerely felt it may be, it is rebellion against the Lord. See, because of that sin, the Lord would no longer bless the kingship of Saul. Because of that sin, the kingship would be torn from him. Not to be sure. It is true. None of us is Saul. None of us is in the position Saul was in. None of us is king over God's people. But don't forget, the word of the text, see they are the word of the Lord to us today. The Lord requires obedience to his word of us also, of us much more. Oh yes, praise the Lord. Christ is our righteousness. He offered perfect obedience for us in our stead. Therefore, we are justified, right? But remember, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And see, the Spirit sanctifies us. Christ, by his Spirit, renews us to be like himself, so we confess with Lord the 32. What does that mean? It means, among other things, that He, the Holy Spirit, He wants us to bring about the obedience of faith in us, in our life. Paul begins and ends his letter to the Romans with that thought. As a matter of fact, the Lord wants every thought of ours brought captive to obey Christ. See, there the Lord's call to us, parents and children, is called to us, Church of Jesus Christ, and the utter seriousness thereof. Remember it well. It is still true today. To obey is better than sacrifice. Because, you see, sacrifice can be done out of custom or superstition, like putting something in the offering plate without a further thought. Even the Gentiles do that. They, too, offer sacrifices to their gods. But obedience... You see, obedience is a matter of the heart. 
and it is our heart the Lord wants. He wants that we, with all our heart, offer our lives a sacrifice of praise to him. That, that is the spiritual worship the Lord requires of us, his children. Therein is blessedness and joy for today and forever. Praise the Lord. Amen.